I started attending Central about five years ago after a friend uh, invited me, Esther Abbott. They had been going to Central and she and I had been in a life group together for about four years at that point. So about 2015, uh, she told me that it was on her heart to open up our life group. We had been in a life group with two other women, so just the four of us for years at that point, and we had grown together. Um, we were really just doing life together. We knew everything about each other. Um, it was really the kind of the epitome of a life group, doing life with these women. And she felt like God had put it on her heart to open the group up. Um, and I said, yeah, that's great, let's do it. Right then, at that very moment, I just knew that God was gonna do great things and that our group would just blow up. I just knew it. I had a feeling at the time and I was expectant then uh, just to see what God would do. And our group has grown to 15 women now. I mean, we've quadrupled in size nearly. As it grew, we started to follow the disciple shift method of her being the leader and I was the apprentice. And um, a, about a year ago, she and her family decided to move to Roseville. So I, being the apprentice, was now the new leader of our group. At Central, we define a disciple as one following Jesus, one being changed by Jesus, and one committed to the mission of Jesus. And that definition is based on Matthew 4.19, which is where Jesus says, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So that has been at the forefront of kind of our purpose in our life group is to make disciples and just continually be open to the ladies, um, to invite their friends, to invite coworkers. We just want new people coming in so that we can be fishers of men. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These verses have shaped the way that I have interacted with people, maybe more in the last year than ever, just realizing that it's not just a great commission for missionaries that are out in other countries, but it's for me. And I should have a desire in my heart to go out and tell people about Jesus. It's really just kind of made me want to be prepared to witness to people. So we recently, myself and the new apprentice, both kind of felt God put on our hearts that it was time to branch our group. Really, all of us are expectant for God to move through this and we're excited to see what God is going to do through this branching and see how God grows our own faith in Him um, as we just step out and are obedient to this call. I am Suzanne and I am being shaped by Scripture. Hey, good morning. Isn't that great? Love it. Um, Suzanne was uh, was here in the first service, and one of the things that uh, we just commented on was how um, Scripture shapes us, and one of the ways it does it is by giving us courage to step out of our comfort zones. It gives us uh, the boldness that we need. Um, and also in the first service, for those of you that might know Claudia, she is a member of Suzanne's group on Thursdays. Uh, Claudia got baptized this morning. It was awesome. Um, 
There was also a Roger sighting and a baptistry. Um, and uh, so it was, it was great to have Roger baptizing Claudia. Um, I just want to begin by, by saying words have a lot of power, don't they? I mean, it, it just as, as Suzanne's story is describing for us, but the words of Scripture can empower us to step out of those comfort zones. Um, they, um, we see that, that God uses words in a very powerful way, and it begins even in Genesis. We begin to see how God uses words to create this earth. Um, and there are nine times in the first chapter of Genesis alone where you see the phrase, and God said, and then followed by a phrase, and it was so. There was power in God's words. God spoke words, and it came into being. Um, the writer of Hebrews uh, kind of uh, supports that. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It's so easy for us to just kind of read right through that, but let that sink in. Can you imagine creating just with your voice? Words are powerful, so powerful. And not only is God's word powerful, it's also very personal. When we turn the pages of our Bibles into the New Testament, uh, John, one of Jesus' disciples, describes Jesus as the word. In John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word became flesh and dwelt among us. God gave shape to this world with words. And God also uses the word to reshape a misshapen world. Words are very powerful and they shape us. This series that we're in, Shaped by Scripture, is um, our, one of our goals is for us to just take, a, just to wade in deeper into God's word, for us to realize that it is God's love letter to us and it has the power to shape us and to make us more like Christ. So just as we can be shaped and transformed by God's word, can we, can we be honest and say that we can be deformed by harmful words of others? Have you ever felt the impact of someone's words that hurt, that cut deep? We realize sometimes when we use those words and sometimes when we receive those words, how powerful words can be. One of the things that I love about gathering together in life groups and just in doing life with, uh, in the company of good friends as we pursue Jesus is sometimes in this world, we are hearing words that are powerful, that kind of push us down, but it's in a life group or it's, it's when we're surrounded by other Christians that we have an opportunity to have God's word spoken over us. And it's like God's word is, we have an opportunity to hear his voice that is louder and higher than than all of the others. I want to share a specific scripture with you today. And uh, one of the things that I want to say is that I would love to say that this is how scripture shaped me, past tense, but this is a, this is a passage that I'm still being shaped by. We believe that being shaped by scripture is, is a process. It's not something that we're going to finally master this and then move on to something else. We are in a way, um, continually offering ourselves to Scripture and those transforming words work in us in that way. And this specific Scripture 
has reshaped the way that I view life. It has reshaped my outlook on life. It's in 2 Corinthians 12. So if you want to use the Bible in the pew back in front of you or uh, your app, feel free to do so. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 7. And um, we'll read this together. And then I just kind of want to explain a little bit in this passage. I want to share a story from my life that will help you, uh, hopefully will help you um, be able to apply it in your own life. And, and then we're going to finish with a, a time of worship and prayer. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. One of the reasons this passage has stood out to me so much is because I realized how much I didn't mirror this example of what Paul was talking about. Um, If you delight in weaknesses and difficulties, then uh, sometimes you see somebody like that, you kind of wonder... either wow because they man they are really mature or what is wrong with them is there <laughs> is something a little off and i see this and i do take comfort in the fact that um Paul is honest about this confession, uh, confessing that he has a thorn. Um, we don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh was. A lot of commentators will, um, will throw their guesses out there. It could have been a physical in, uh, infirmity that he had. It could be a nagging habit, maybe some kind of an external influence. Maybe there was an antagonist. But either way, he was pleading for God to make life better. He was basically saying life would be so much better if you could remove this from me. And um, and God's response was, my grace is sufficient. Now, we live in a world that is, especially in our culture here, we love superlatives, okay? We want the biggest, the best, the greatest. We don't strive for sufficient, do we? You know, if... If, um, guys, if somebody said, hey, tell me about your wife, and you go, well, you know, she's sufficient. <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to happen, right? Okay? We, we aren't people that strive for sufficient. So I, I look at that verse, and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand that. It's almost like a letdown. And what I'm realizing in this is that I wish life was great. I want life to be awesome and good. And instead, God says, well, life, like Paul is is modeling for us, life is hard. Life is actually kind of hard. And and so one of the reasons I wrestle with this verse is because um, I see that life is hard, but it doesn't set well with me. I find myself in a hard, difficult situation in life trying to figure out how to remove that thorn. Whatever it is that weakens me that is just kind of draining the life out of me and everyone uh, around what's taken place. 
And so these words are really vivid that Paul uses when he's talking about um, that thorn. I mean, it's just, you can kind of imagine he's being needled by something. Um, When it says that he was tormented, that literally means punched. So if you've ever been needled by something or you've had that punched in the gut feeling that has just taken the breath out of you, in life, then you know what we're talking about here. Paul was, was wrestling with something. And I see this and I take a little bit of comfort because if Paul and all of the great things that he did is still experiencing life that's pretty hard, then it, I guess maybe I should expect much of the same. But there is still a part of me that thinks, okay, if, if I can, do certain things, if I can be good enough, then life will be good and we can move forward. But it's the stabbing reminders and the punches in the gut that remind me of my frailty, of my smallness, of my Paulness. Um, I don't live in a perfect world. And as much as I would like for life to be good, sometimes life is hard. And about now you're kind of wondering why, why we chose Eeyore to speak, uh, this Sunday. Um, you know, hey, have fun, go watch the Oscars. Okay. Um, but life is hard. We, we get those punched in the gut feelings and something, most of us even right now have something that's needling us. Uh, how many of you are familiar with the t-shirt company, um, known as Life is Good? Remember, remember those? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you still have some. Um, I don't know what happened. I outgrew mine or it shrunk in the dryer or something. But I, I had a Life is Good t-shirt. And it's, it always depicts this person out in nature. Life is good. And you see him. It's kind of a stick figure guy with a big smile on his face. And he's walking up a mountain, you know. And that's when I knew this was bogus. Because nobody smiles like that when they're climbing a mountain, okay. Um, or sometimes, uh, you know, he's riding his bike. and Or the, sometimes this little stick figure guy has a big smile. And he's sitting next to a tent. And uh, just everything is perfect. And... I just kind of, I want to start a t-shirt line that's called life is hard and it would be the same guy but at the top of the mountain he's got like ice bags on his knees and he's popping ibuprofen you know it's like why why did I think this was a good idea oh my gosh you know something like that I think that would be that would be my line of, of t-shirts now um, somebody told me recently that um, I'm not a cynic okay so some of you right now are like oh wow this melancholy cynic up there I am not a cynic they told me I'm a frustrated idealist which sounds so much better than a cynic um, but we can get frustrated uh, when we see that someone's advertising life is good but what we're experiencing is something that's really hard at the time so if I had to sum up this little passage in second Corinthians 12, if I had to to sum up the way that it has shaped the way I understand God and this world that we live in, it would be this, life is hard, but God is good and his grace is sufficient. Life is hard, but God is good and his grace is sufficient. I want to tell a story and uh, I call them parables because it sounds churchier, uh, but I'm going to tell you a story that happened and, and then I want to apply it to this passage in a way that we can see more vividly how life can be hard, but God is good and his grace is sufficient. 
Um, I was a youth pastor. Uh, Beth and I, I think, had just gotten married. And uh, it was, uh, Beth and all of our other student vo- uh, worker volunteers went on a weekend retreat. It was in January. We lived in St. Louis at the time. And as if St. Louis wasn't cold enough, we, drew, uh, we drove north and east and uh, into Illinois, out on the plains. And on our way back, on the day we were to come back, uh, I think the high for the day was like single digits. I mean, it was just awful. I don't know. Now that I'm here, I don't know why people actually subject themselves to that. But, um, but in preparation for our drive back, um, I went out and started the van to let it warm up a little bit. We had, we took two vans, about 20 of us in two 15 passenger vans. So I'm warming up my van and I realized that the needle is on E and we're kind of in a remote area. And the last thing I want to do in single digit temps is get stranded on the side of the road. So I told the driver of the other van, hey, uh, there's a gas station just before we jump on the interstate. I'm going to stop there and get some gas. So that's what we, what we do. Uh, two vans pull into that gas station. I go to pump gas. And as I'm putting gas in the van, as I start to do this, it immediately just overflows onto the pavement. And I thought, oh my goodness, it is so cold that like maybe there was water or something that's frozen in the line. So I go... In the, into the gas station, and they have this uh, gas treatment stuff. So I'm trying to put that in there. Of course, it just flows right out too. There's really no much, not much room because it's all right there at the neck of the going to the gas tank. So I, I tell the people in my van and the other driver, "Hey, let's just go down one more exit. Maybe I don't know. Maybe something will warm up and it'll melt, and we'll be better off." go down another exit to another gas station. We'll try this again. So, so that's what we did. We go down to the next exit. I pull into the filling station, go to pump gas. Same thing. Gas flows over onto the pavement. I'm like, okay, one more try. This needle is below empty now. I don't know what we're going to do. So we go down one more exit. I try it. Gas overflows. I don't know what to do other than I, I made a phone call and left a, a voicemail at church uh, for our maintenance team, kind of letting them know that this dumpy van that they sent me out with is breaking down or it can't handle cold weather or something. So um, so we all, like 20 of us, pile into that 15-passenger van, and we head back, and we make it back on Sunday. On Monday, the maintenance guys, two of them go up and get the van and come back, and then they give me a call, and they're kind of making fun of me because... Uh, it turns out that van had dual tanks, and uh, I was trying to fill the already full tank. <laughs> there, was, there was plenty of, of gas the whole time. Uh, there's a switch on the dash. All I had to do was flip the switch, and I had plenty, plenty of gas to get me home. I was really... Really proud of myself for not, not seeing that. And it was, you know, they used to do dual tanks, like you fill up on one side or the other. You remember that? And then they got wise and they put them both on the same side. That van had them both on the same side even, uh, but I still didn't notice it. And I think it's just because as I'm pumping, my, my butt was in front of the other one or something. I didn't see it. But uh, anyway, so there, there we go. The gas gauge read empty. This is what I want you to get out of this. The gas gauge read empty even though I had all I needed to complete the journey. Paul had a thorn. I have a thorn. My thorn is this feeling that I want life to be good. But when life is hard, that's when I tend to feel empty 
And I kind of feel a little desperate at times when my gauge is pointing to empty. When I'm feeling low or feeling empty, I don't pull into filling stations. I pull into unfulfilling stations. You with me? I'm on this journey and I'm feeling a little low. And so I look around for something, for anything that's going to make me feel better. And I'm thinking if I can just get this quick fill up, just really, I just need to feel full. I need, if life could just be good for me right now, then I'll be able to continue on the journey. The gauge of my feelings is kind of screaming at me saying, Gary, you don't have what it takes. You ever been in a moment like that where those words echo in you? You just, you're not enough. You're close, but not quite. And when we have that feeling that hits us, that's really when we ratchet up our sense of desperation. We're just looking for something to make us feel better so that we can continue through life. But the truth of the tank is this. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. Life is hard. God is good. His grace is sufficient. Even when I feel empty, the truth of the tank is that God has given me what I need to finish this journey. God has given me what I need to keep pressing through and to persevere. When your needle is pointing to E, when you're feeling empty, what's your go-to quick fix? What's your unfulfilling station? And you know why we call them unfulfilling stations? We've experienced this. We pull into these unfulfilling stations thinking, this is really going to satisfy me. And we leave just as unfulfilled as we went in there. We still feel empty. I want to spend uh, just the next couple of minutes telling you about three unfulfilling stations that I pull into. Not because I think you have these same ones, you might, uh, but just to kind of say you're not alone. Just as I kind of took comfort in knowing that Paul was asking for a thorn to be removed, life was hard for him, I just want to express to you just some of the ways that I get lured off the road, um, things that tempt me to stop my journey. And um, these three are not necessarily bad things, but what I struggle with in these is um, when I try and take something that God has given me that's good, this kind of an opportunity that's good, but I expect it to do what only grace can do, what only God can do. I put too much, um, too much pressure on these things to actually bring fulfillment and satisfaction. So three unfulfilling stations in my life are control, approval, and stuff. Let me describe to you what I'm talking about. First of all, the unfulfilling station of control. And this is what causes me to pull off the road on my journey because I'm uh, the needle is pointing to E. And I'm thinking at this unfulfilling station of control, if I can just get a handle on life, if I can just manage my little world, then I can continue on. Once I figure things out and gather enough facts and can kind of win over the people around me and can kind of control them a little bit, then I'll be able to continue on. But have you noticed how worry and anxiety tend to drain our tank so fast? Worry and anxiety, our needle is always pointing to E when we're consumed with this 
I want to control. I want to make life better. And just this anxiety of, I I don't know if I can do this. I'm thinking if I could just somehow control life so that it would be good, then I can continue on my journey. Now, when I hear myself say that, I, I realize how ridiculous that sounds. But here's what happens. I find myself white-knuckling the steering wheel, and I pull into those unfulfilling stations. And I don't go to pump gas. I go to really kind of pump myself up. And I'm thinking, I got this. I'm going to be able to figure this out. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And as I'm just to carry this metaphor out, while I'm trying to get control, as I'm in the unfulfilling station of control, all these other cars are going by. And my thought is, oh, wow. Those people really got it figured out. They must have everything under control. Someday I'm going to join them. Someday I'm going to be like them because they have things under control. But then as I've looked a little bit closer, I noticed those people don't have more control. Those are people who found freedom in letting God have the wheel. That's really what makes them different. These are people who are going places, not because they're white-knuckling the steering wheel, but because they chose to drive by a tank full of grace. Unfulfilling station number two for me is approval. If I can gain the approval and acceptance of others, then I'll have the strength to carry on in this journey. If I can just, this is like, this unfulfilling station, remember when you had full service stations back 300 years ago, whenever that was, and you pull in and it's just like, oh, it's all about me. You know, that's what I think of for this unfulfilling station. You know, give me premium compliments. Okay. I want the best attaboy pat on the back that you can give me. It's all about me. 99%, I don't know how many of you knew this, 99% of all selfies are posted at the unfulfilling station of approval very unscientific fact for you. But can we acknowledge that sometimes we're just trying to get other people to approve us? And so we try and manufacture these things. Um, I was sitting with, with our staff, with our team earlier in the week, and I had this new t-shirt that I thought was really cool. And by now it's like late afternoon and no one had commented on it. So I brought it up, you know. Hey, I like my new T-shirt. The tree design is pretty cool. These, they hire artists to do their T-shirts. They're kind of rare, you know. <laughs> so then, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then how do you feel after you do something like that? Yeah. Empty. I mean, it's just it's like, oh, you're just saying that, you know. Yeah, because you asked us to. I mean, it's kind of... See, here's the deal. When we pull into these unfulfilling stations, seeking the approval of man, this is where this is reshaping me. I realize I'm spending more energy trying to convince people that I'm good rather than pointing people to God who is good. I'm stealing his glory. God is good. And his grace is sufficient. And God told me he loves that t-shirt, by the way. (laughs) Unfulfilling station number three is stuff. If I can just surround myself with the right kind of stuff, 
then I can continue happily along this journey. So you just kind of fill in this blank. Life is hard, but maybe life could be good with what? What is your stuff that you would like to have? My, the way I would, life is hard, but maybe life could be good with more horsepower. I'll just leave it at that, okay? We each have something, some kind of stuff that we're like, oh, if I had that, man, I'd be set. And when we're in the unfulfilling station of stuff, that's when you see these people going by on the highway and you're looking and thinking, oh, wow, I bet they have a nice car. I bet they have everything they need. That's how they're making progress. No doubt. They've got all the stuff they need. Their life must be good. And then I begin to realize if I am putting all that pressure on stuff, what I'm doing is I'm growing frustrated and disappointed with it because I expect creations to do what only the creator can do. I'm worshiping creations more than I am the creator. So these people, whether they have nice stuff or whether they don't have any stuff at all, the people that are really making progress on their journey, those are people who learn to listen to the truth of the tank rather than the gauge of impulse purchases that always seem to leave us empty. So how do we kind of wrap this up? And especially, how do we wrap this up in a way that in spite of life being hard, we can walk out of here head held high singing praises? You see, the reason I kept pulling into those unfulfilling stations over and over and over again is because I keep hoping that those things or those people will make my life good. But God is good and his grace is sufficient. So how do I... How do I flip the switch, so to speak, and I drive by this tank of grace? See, if someone had told me on that frigid January morning as I was abandoning the van at the third filling station, if somebody had said to me, Gary, you have all you need to get home. You have what you need to finish this journey. I would look at them and say, no, I do not believe you. In other words, I didn't have faith that I had what I needed. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through what? It's flipping the switch right here. God gives us grace. But for us to drive by grace, we've got to have faith. Faith that speaks to us louder than whatever that gauge is that's saying you feel so empty. You, you better find a filling station fast. But instead of, again, pulling into an unfulfilling station, God's given us this beautiful gift of faith. Our salvation is through faith in his grace, through faith that he has filled our tank with grace that is sufficient When we lack faith, it results in abandoning the journey because the voice of the gauge, rather than the persevering, uh, rather than persevering based on the truth of the tank, we, we listen more to that gauge. The truth that God and His grace is sufficient. 
So how has your life been? Has your life been hard? Do you find yourself especially tempted right now by unfulfilling stations? I want you to know that your feelings at best are like fumes. You can't drive very far on fumes, right? And if your feelings are dictating how far you go on this journey... I encourage you, by faith, flip the switch and trust in God's grace. Keep driving because God is good and his grace is sufficient. I'm going to ask the band to make their way up. And I have one final suggestion for you as you continue your journey through life. And that is find someone to ride with you. Don't try and make this journey by yourself. We need each other. We need someone that we can say, wow, my gauge, it just feels, I'm just feeling really low and really empty. And we need people in our life. We need passengers beside us that will remind us God's word and the power of God's word and the truth of who he is and the truth of how he views us. We need those people that will whisper to us, You have what it takes. Don't abandon the journey. Hang in there. You can do this because of God's grace. Relationships are a really big deal. We're going to close out with a song, but we're also going to have members of our prayer team down front. This is one of the ways that we want to get in your car with you, if we can begin praying with you. Maybe your next step also would include uh, getting into a life group or just looking at the person that's next to you that you've been good friends with saying, let's let's really be intentional about this journey through life together because we're going to need each other um, in this. Let me pray. Um, Let me ask you to stand to your feet as I pray. Go ahead and do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for grace. Jesus, you chose to come to earth willingly living a very hard life. Life was hard. You modeled for us how deeply fulfilling the abundant life can be even in the midst of a life that's hard. You lived every moment believing your Father is good. Shape us so that we can live like you. In Jesus' name.